0: Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin.
1: This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Merrick am That's probably not even close to correct but uh please forgive me but uh maybe you can correct it for our our audience
0: (laughs) Uh, no you actually pronounced it perfectly for someone that does it for the first time thanks for having (laughs) me on your podcast
1: hey it's great to have you and we're just anxious to hear your backstory but tell our listeners a little bit about Marek
0: yes so my name is Marek as you already know i'm polish born although last Eight years. Sorry, 2012. Last eight years, I've been 100% professionally focused on building online businesses in Sub-Saharan Africa, which is a pretty well specified uh, specified niche. My business story uh, in one minute is that I have dropped out of university uh, on my first year because I wanted to build a huge, huge empire, business empire, because I was, you know, reading TechCrunch and watching <laughs> CNN, and I knew what would be, what's been happening to Facebook. Um, my first first part of my business life was that I built a, a big financial brokerage in Poland that was before the crisis so everyone was making a lot of money on, on in the finance sector and then I also had my first huge crisis in 2008 where I not only made all the money you know I at first I made my first million there but then I lost everything and I had even bigger debt than the money I had in, in the beginnings uh, and at that stage I already knew that I kind of want to go into startups because I saw those CNN coverages of those hipsters sitting in Starbucks in Silicon Valley drinking soya latte and just, you know, writing on their white keyboards, fancy with keyboards and making millions. And then I figured if they can do it, I can do it as
1: well. Yeah, we all do that. Every American sits in Starbucks and taps on their Mac keyboard. That's <laughs> so, so, and then I realized it's
0: not that it's not yeah. that easy. But that's what drove me really into startups, as yeah. funny as it sounds. But I fell in love with the concept of Disrupting an, an ecosystem and disrupting an industry by introducing new technology, because that's how fortunes are made, really. When you look at the, you know, when oil was discovered, then the first industrial revolution, second, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I was trying to find a, a business model for me when not too many people would like to build a competition for me. And essentially, I built a marketplace for funeral services <laughs> because none of the youngsters, none of the teenagers I knew that were good with computers wanted to have a funeral business. <laughs> right, yeah. And it's not a high, so we not a high demand. A yeah. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> not at all. Super hard. Essentially, it was like booking.com just for funeral homes. It, it's also travel just one way, and, and people are looking for the services online um and then at some point i just met guys which are running a big online company called rocket internet they're not that well known in the us but when you look at their sites they're like top three there's there's alibaba there's amazon and there's this huge e-commerce group called rocket internet which is on four continents they're just not that known because they have a different brand in every country and at that time they were trying to prepare and raise money and go into africa And built the African version of Amazon, Booking.com, Uber, Delivery Hero, and so on and so on. And uh, they figured that apparently my experience in in building technology business first in Poland, which is, uh, you know, not as technologically advanced as the U.S., at least that's where we were, you know, a couple of years ago. And then in funeral business, that my experience actually can be relevant to go and build online business in Nigeria because that's where we started. So I got an offer I couldn't refuse if a company like this offers you this and and the offer was pretty simple this is our budget i think they've raised some crazy amounts of money back then it was like 500 million dollars wow. uh, to open seven online verticals e-commerce classifieds marketplace food delivery right hailing and a couple other and, and online, online travel. and i was responsible for the online travel vertical and the case was very simple you're going to be paid almost nothing but if you deliver the results uh, you're going to earn your shares and um, long story short the company went public, uh, we did an IPO last year on New York Stock Exchange. Africa gave me the craziest experience in my life. Going IPO was the first one, being on the Interpol most wanted lead was the second one, <laughs> <laughs> at least was the second one, uh, which is kind of what great summary of, of what Africa gives you. It kind of is addictive. It gives you all si- all kinds of experience uh, and you just love it,
1: <laughs> There is that- nevertheless. Isn't there an expression called TIA? Like T.I.A. It, it just—it just stands for "This, this is exactly Africa." It. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's like and a you... catch-all phrase for everything, you know, that happens there. So. Good, bad, and, and that's the most annoying
0: thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when you're a manager and you're managing a team, and the, the 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 results are not there, and one of your employees tells you, "I mean, this is Africa," then that's the, <laughs> like, how do you deal with the, Such an excuse, yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly, and I I think that it's it's interesting because I mean, we've, I've traveled quite a bit in my, myself, and actually done business on different continents as well. But I think that the difficulty is just the clash of culture, like you know, the the Polish culture, the German culture, the kind of the Western Europe culture, at least in the northern part of West Western Europe, you know, is, is, you know, they're pretty time bound, they're pretty structured. And then you go to Africa, and it's like, you know, just almost like watches are obsolete, you know, the the whole idea that, uh, you know, just (laughs) um, well you know, it's, it's just running on a different time and and a different expectation. And it's, it's difficult sometimes to make that shift.
0: Correct. Um, so there, there are two jokes about it that your driver tells you that uh, your taxi driver tells you that you have the watch, but he has the time. <laughs> and 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 you, you got to remember, like Africa is 54 countries, hundreds of tribes, thousands of languages. Just in oh. South Africa, you have 13, 13 official languages. Right. Uh, and in Nigeria, there are many tribes that even talk to each other in English because otherwise they, they mm-hmm. don't know each other's languages. And there's a joke in Nigeria that my, my Nigerian friend told me what is the difference between a tourist and a racist in Nigeria? And, and his answer was a week. <laughs> wow. And, and, the, and the, this, I'm going to tell you the reason. It's so easy to become maybe not a racist, but a, a bigot or, or a xenophobe. Because when you enter a country with a totally different culture, mm. culture is basically a set of rules that you're so used to that they're in your skin you, right. on a subconscious level. So the moment you enter a new culture and everything happens in a different way, people behave in a different way, it hits your subconscious. You become frustrated, irritated, because it's not how it's supposed to be. So that frustration is then amplified and you can, you know, become xenophobe or or a bigot or a racist even. So, um, yeah, that was a big challenge. And uh, one thing that I've learned in order for me to... um, you know, learn how to do business and, and, and be happy in Nigeria and then other countries is to learn how to unlearn many things and then listen and appreciate things being done in a total, in a different way. There's a sweet spot between accepting everything and, 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 uh, trying to change everything. Right. Yeah. You know, it's a, I think it's find, like yeah.
1: appreciation almost. It's, it's a, you know, we, we spent a few years in, in the middle East and the idea that, um, the frustration that I would feel on how they would do something I would say that that is the most um, dysfunctional inefficient way to do this but amazingly they were very adept at fixing things they were very adept at 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 fixing the issue that was at hand that you know by the I mean they could they could come up with about anything you know to, to fix the issue and I would be just frustrated because, I mean, I have one way that I'm thinking this needs to be done, but then I can't find that part. And they're like, well, we'll, we'll just make it, you know, we'll, just, yeah. <laughs> we'll manufacture that, you know. So yeah. it's a, it is amazing how industrious and how, you know, utilitarian people can be when, when faced with, you know, yeah. issues and, and sometimes even lack of resources. But as I, w- I was looking at your book a little bit and, and the whole idea of, of Africa, you know, people think of Africa kind of as a unit and but you know you you mentioned it just a minute ago i mean north africa versus sub-saharan africa versus south africa versus eastern africa versus the western french-speaking africa i mean there's so much diversity on that one continent so many resources and and so much life you know there that i'm interested how how did you choose you know to focus on africa other than that i guess that this tech company came to you and said hey we want you to do that or were you already thinking that beforehand
0: yeah so that's a that's a funny story actually because when when we started the conversation about me joining the team we assumed that we're gonna launch in egypt and uh, i was like egypt pyramids nice kite surfing spots i'm I'm down (laughs) (laughs) and then by the time we we agreed on everything they told me and they didn't tell me why but they told me we're gonna start in nigeria (laughs) and and i remember uh, me being born and raised in poland we're pretty ignorant towards Africa, and I think it's the same thing in the U.S. I've learned only two things about the history of Africa in in my high school, which is, you know, the the Europeans kind of colonized Africa, and they they decolonized it, and probably the the way they decolonized it was even worse than the way they colonized it, because they they left them with those internal conflicts, divide and conquer, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and countries are still paying the the price for that but, but decolonization. So when 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 he told me we're going to Nigeria you're going to Nigeria then i simply had to google nigeria and then you just you google tells you two things about nigeria there's some nigerian prin- prince that uh, has some money for me he wants to send me million dollars i just have to give him my credit card <laughs> number and and then there's boko haram they are terrorists and that's basically all you all you say and then you, it's tricky not to become the victim of the stereotypes and the, mm, and the common knowledge sure. But then you get deeper, and then you realize, you know, Nigeria has, you know, seven out of ten countries in 2012 were the fastest-growing economies in the world. Uh, the banking system was way more advanced than the European one. The telecommunication in the city, that you know, there's four, there was 4G. The internet was faster than in San Francisco. I remember hmm. <laughs> a oh. lot of a lot of different contrasts, and you realize that there's huge potential for business, and you go after Nigeria because, out of all the African countries. If I need to generalize, Nigeria represents the biggest potential. It's the most populous uh, country. It's 200 million already. It's going to be way, way more. Uh, biggest or second biggest economy in the whole continent, depending on who counts. Um, and then uh, there's this also saying if something can go wrong, it will most likely go in Nigeria. So if you can crack the market in Nigeria, if you can find a sustainable business model, then potentially going to any other country will be uh, will be easier. That's one mm. that's one way to, to, yep. to go about. It.
1: When when you're looking at at the the different economies in Africa, I mean, when you would look at I mean, I I could look at, say, Nigeria versus Kenya and see a lot of similarities in how business is done and how how the bureaucracy works and things like that. But but they're actually vastly different. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so kind of touch on that a little bit. I mean, like, so if you if you made it, made a go of it in Nigeria and then you wanted to transfer that to Kenya, what would be some yeah. of the things that you would have to kind of, uh, you know, figure out or, yeah. or you know, overcome yeah. to make that transition?
0: Yeah, and, and for me, Nigeria and Kenya couldn't be even farther from each other. You know, when you look yeah. at the subsequent boat. Um when we were, because we had an office in in Lagos, we had an office in Nairobi and Senegal, d'Ivoire, Tanzania, Rwanda, a couple other countries. And I remember hiring salespeople. Um, this this really is a great example of the differences. We had salespeople, they were responsible for signing up hotels, convincing them to be put on our platform, we were able to find the clients and the clients and get our commission. In Nigeria, uh, all our sales guys were not paid any base salary. They were only paid based on the result, how many hotels they were able to convince to work with us. And from that commission, they had to pay their own transport costs, you know, mm-hmm. laptop and and, and laptop uh, and the phone. And we had so many people wanted to work for us because everyone wanted to hustle to to make money. They will make more sales, they will, they will make more money. Well, in Kenya, that model didn't work at all. We couldn't find anyone to work with. So we had to introduce, you know, basic salary, but also be way more... Um, micromanage we had to micromanage them way more into what our sales guys are doing hour by hour because their incentives are much much different so that's that's an example that you know when you run a business even those two countries which on the outside may look similar have all those nitty-gritty differences when you look at africa when you like zoom out then obviously you have the north part of the continent which has a lot of arabic influences like mm-hmm. egypt or or, or libya and then you have Morocco, Algeria, which is a lot of uh, European t- infer- influences, a lot, especially because how close they are. Right. Uh, then you have the sub-Saharan Africa, which you can divide into West and East. Um, and then on the South, you go to South Africa, which is, again, a totally different country because the, the apartheid government, which we know what they did, uh, uh, has... Has done one good thing, which is they really, although being a racist government, they have really invested heavily into infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So this country has been one of the richest countries in the world like 30 years ago. We know what was the price of it, but you can still benefit from that infrastructure. Right. Uh, like properly working courts, uh, highways everywhere, cheap internet, so on and so on, which is a big challenge in the sub Saharan African belt. Sure. So from Nigeria east to, uh, east to Kenya. Even the power grid. Yeah. It's like a. Yeah, power that's that's another that's another issue it's like um uh, what was the word with with Alice in wonderland uh, the the deeper you get in analyzing those countries the more the more issues you have to touch
1: further down the rabbit hole um, that'
0: yeah, exactly. the, that's the down the rabbit hole yeah what what i always try to use to visualize the differences is that in Europe or in the states you would consider having running water and electricity twenty four seven as something which is basic. Everyone, you know, being representative of middle class or even lower income, most likely you have that in the house. Where, for example, having your own driver or a cleaner to take care of your house and maybe cook dinner for you and your family is considered for those, you know, really rich people that want to afford this. Because, you know, life is way more comfortable in the US or right. Europe. There's so many services, everything just works. Where in Africa, um, much, much poorer, I mean, even middle class families, if I can use that term, uh, have someone to help them in the house, or a driver that takes you from 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 one place to another. Because there's so many unemployed people who who will work for almost nothing, like one hundred, two hundred dollars per month. But then, in order to live in a flat where you have twenty four seven electricity, running water, and internet connection, you're going to pay thousands of dollars mm-hmm. per month as a premium just to just to have that. So everything is like totally turned around.
1: Yeah. So I'd walk us through. So i'm I'm assuming you're no longer directly involved in this enterprise in Africa. So what are you doing today?
0: Yes, yeah, so um, last two years were really, really interesting for me because I was still fighting for my freedom essentially. Mm-hmm. i I was involved in this big e-commerce company. We have uh, we have we have made this yeah I've I been mean, like part of making the company going public. Then I launched my own software company, and that's where I took a local partner to help me with with this business. A uh, so-called godfather to protect you from the bad guys, from the government, as you do in exotic countries. What no one tells you is that sometimes godfather wants to run the business without you. <laughs> hmm. And uh, essentially, the ho- everything is described in a book. But long story short, I got an offer I couldn't refuse. They bribed the Nigerian police, the Nigerian police issued an inter- international arrest warrant that was put into the Interpol system. And after this was done, and I was essentially in house arrest in Poland. I was about to be extradited to Medria because apparently I was supposed to fail jail time of 21 years for some you know, financial high school for crimes that they, they've put in the arrest warrant. And then I got the phone call with an offer I couldn't refuse if you're gonna basically give back the company. Uh, release everything for like a symbolic amount. Uh, then everything will disappear and we just go our ways. And I decided that I would go the hard way to fight this. And it uh, took me almost two years. Um cases in Nigerian courts, cases in France, because that's where there's the HQ of Interpol. Uh, also cases in Poland where I had to defend myself from being forcefully extradited to Nigeria. Uh, scenes from, FBI, from criminal movies where I had to have a plaque that would record a conversation to collect evidence. So that that was my that was my job for the last two years, because fighting for freedom is essentially a job. And and writing a book, because that was my biggest motivation. If I get out of this alive and well. My book has a nice happy ending. Maybe this will be an interesting story. So, everything. Spoiler alert! My last year. Spoiler alert! Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler I mean, alert! Here. Right here. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the has book has a happy, happy
1: ending. ending. That's right. Has
0: a, a happy ending. Yeah. So the book was uh, published in Poland. Now it's published in the US market. So I guess I will take a couple more months to to be laid back business wise. I have one company. It's an AI marketing company which we operate in South Africa and Kenya. That is my my business that allowed me to. You know, not to lose all my savings to because lawyers are super expensive. Right. Uh, But a couple more months, I'm just taking my time to enjoy the book promotion, telling my story, telling that although everything that happened to me, I'm still totally in love with Africa and I would never trade all my experiences for anything else because of how, you know, a lot of learnings I got out of this. And once this is over, I am an entrepreneur in my blood and I'm definitely going to come back to to running another company. What it's going to be, no idea i'm looking at renewables um and solar solar sector uh looks like tesla is doing a lot of cool things with their roofs and it seems like the world needs their competitor (laughs) no doubt about it no doubt about it so in the Uh, next in the next
1: uh after i mean after the book tour whatever so are you looking to do this in, in the African subcontinent or are you looking to do this in Western Europe? Or, I mean, I know now we're, we're online, so it doesn't really matter where we are, but um, yeah. where, are you, where do you want to focus these new enterprises?
0: Seems that the global mega trends are everywhere. The, the most important global trend that makes a difference now is that the technology has really become much, much, much cheaper, like 10 yeah. times cheaper than a couple of years ago. And the unit economics start to make sense. And then you see that it seems that finally the, the, the whole awareness of climate changes and, and maybe wanting to have greener energy that powers your house and your car is finally getting into mainstream. Uh, and also you don't want to lose out on that potential in the so-called first war so mm-hmm. Europe and the United States when there's many people that. Just want to drive an electric car and, and want to make sure that this electric car is not fueled by coal, but is actually the energy is coming from, from something green. But then you don't want to also miss the African opportunity where everyone needs solar as well or renewables as well. Not because maybe they're necessarily uh, climate conscious, but there is no alternative because the power grid was never properly developed. Right In Nigeria, 70% of the country's uh, uh, consumption of power still comes from a... This plastic small fuel power generator I mean small for a small flat or the size of a container for a big office building and it's crazy it shouldn't be like this um, so that's the problem of emerging markets the, the power from the grid is just not reliable so the client will be different the motivations of the client will be different but seems that the technology can be applicable both in the first quote unquote and third world just for different reasons I don't see being able to have your own personal nuclear power plant in your house. Uh, I don't see really an an efficient uh, you know was the was the power plant that gets energy from uh, wind.
1: Yeah like uh, just wind, wind power yeah. Like a turbine.
0: Yeah it's really hard yeah. to have turbine Yeah, It's it's right now the technology is not there. It doesn't seem to have a turbine that doesn't affect the way also like extra. But it is doable with uh, with the solar technology where you can just emit the solar parts into the house that you're building. And you, you might not even see that they exist on the outside.
1: Let me ask you but about solar really power. Exciting. Like, yeah. so, you know, you hear you hear people talk about wind power, you hear them talk about solar power. Those are kind of the two biggest, like, renewables. So tell me why, and, and it makes perfect sense in a climate, you know, like, like sub-Saharan Africa, that, is, that has sunlight 340 days a year, you know, So tell me why that hasn't already taken off. Is it the technology's not there? Is it, it's just not a, I mean, there's, we just can't make it sustainable. The cost benefit analysis. What's, why hasn't it already taken off? I guess.
0: Yeah. So the sustainability is the issue, but the issue of lack of sustainability is the technology cost because, um, both wind and solar are inter- intermittent sources of energy. They don't provide you energy all the time. Solar only during the day, and wind only when it's windy. And uh, the battery costs was always mm-hmm. the most expensive part of it. The solar panel parts have the costs have gone down dramatically. Now yeah. it's like a couple uh, like not, less than a dollar for a kilowatt. Uh, but batteries also the prices went down. But the current technology doesn't even allow you to go down even more. It's still too, too expensive. So now we have those lit ion batteries or something right. like that. you can't really squeeze much more efficiency out of them. You have to go and search for totally different technology to to do it. And with intermittent sources of power, if you're building a house and you just spend I don't know you know two, three, four thousand dollars on an on a nice solar roof, and then you have to spend six thousand dollars just on a battery, yep. it really kills the concept. Right. So um, that was always the issue. they're they're intermittent. And they don't provide constant energy and the storage is expensive. Um, so it has the missing piece that really allows this to to take off.
1: So what what's happening in that space? I mean, are you seeing some real advances and some real improvements in the storage capacity on, of, for solar?
0: So the, the good thing in, in the so-called first world markets is that the legislations are changing. And what happens is that once you produce power during the day, and usually you produce more than you're using because when you have a house you you spend most of your power in the evening when you're back from work mm-hmm. then you can kind of get back the power from the grid so you're you're giving the the, the power over production during the day and then you get it back from the grid right. so it allows it allows you to, to to work with the grid or even sell to someone depending on the on the legislation then obviously um on the on the battery side and another an engineer i'm just the i'm the business guy mm-hmm. uh you need to have my chief engineering officer on <laughs> the, uh, the podcast but there is a lot of research and development doing around finding different type of chemicals which are more efficient uh, in storing energy like some kind of gels and, and other stuff i don't even know the english words for it so Everyone is pretty optimistic that in the next two to five years, there will be some breakthrough and the, and the price will go down eventually because that's the missing part. So if you have now all the minds really focusing on bringing the power of storage down and it is important everywhere for electric cars, even for our smartphones, for everything, then we're going to come up with a solution scenario later on.
1: Right. Yeah, I I am confident you're right because I mean I can see just the advances. I mean it's it's not a perfect you know comparison, but if you look at computer storage, you know over the years the the, yeah. the you know every what is it that what's that that law that talks about like More every so, 18 yeah. months like yeah. it you know the storage capacity halves or doubles, doubles. Or, or whatever that is. So um, I can see that that maybe mm-hmm. that has a similar like a similar application you know, once yeah. we hit that critical mass or that tipping point, you know, with, with solar storage. But um, I, yeah. I hope that, that is, that's coming one day because, I mean, I, I love the whole concept behind, you know, the, the solar energy and and uh, especially in climates that have a lot of sunlight. You know, it's like a wasted resource almost that we're, we're yeah. losing. But um, it's, it's interesting. It's a, it's a good segue Probably. right now because, you know, we've talked about kind of renewable energy, but I want to talk a little bit about, like, the whole thing we're facing globally, this coronavirus, you know, COVID-19. So speak to our listeners as a, as a founder, as a tech founder, as a, as a company leader, what are, just give us two, you know, one or two things that you think would be really helpful as a, as a company leader, as a CEO, as a founder to help your team really navigate this difficult time right now. Just kind of leave us with a little hope here.
0: Yeah. So you know, for me, I have a different approach because I've already went through a crisis, you know, uh, 2008, and I was in finance sector. For mm-hmm. us, it was yeah. our Corona, you know, yeah, because it really destroyed the finance sector. And after you 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 reach another problem and then and, uh, and another another crisis another crisis, you just try you you see you see the the methodology behind living in a capitalistic system, which has a lot of upsides, but then also has a lot of downsides. And uh, I think the first thing is to go back in history and, and look how history likes to repeat itself. When I was in high school, I was all about mathematics and physics. I hate history. When I got into business, I fell in love with biographies and with history books because learning about the history made me make better decisions, allowed me to look more in the long term in the past and then more, look more in the long term into the, into the future. And once you understand that this is a part of a process, then you are, you're able to first of all, calm yourself down <laughs> uh, from the financial, from the technical point of view, we were waiting. I mean, the mar- the markets were bound to crash anyway, because we had the, the, the longest uh, uh, bull run, I think ever, or since, since like many decades. So this would happen anyway. It just corona happened, corona happened uh, right now. Uh, I, I think, C- crisis definitely there are two pro- there are two problems or, or challenges about crisis is that it definitely acc- accumulates power into the smaller you know number of companies or brands which just have more cash issues that's c- c- cash cash flows etc and and smaller companies tend to die faster because they are usually well way more, way more cash restricted mm, so you got to watch out for that the, you can't just save uh, save everyone on the other hand um, definitely crisis accelerates some things now people are turning into video conferencing uh, you know e-commerce you should as a technology business we should all benefit from it but there are two buts first of all how long does this lockdown needs to happen for you to have that new uh, habit that you're forced to stick to to really stay with you Uh, you know, there's this book, Power of Habit, which, which talks about this, because if the lockdown is only for three weeks, people will probably go down to their, to their lives. So you want to have the lockdown longer, but then, then the lockdown will destroy the whole economy. So what's the point of your piece of the pie becoming bigger if the whole pie has shrunk? Um, So that, that's my observation. Definitely people will change their paradigm about talking about, about business. I used to be in online travel business and I would have uh, conversations with uh, hoteliers, they would say, people will always love to travel. I would talk, have conversation with restaurant, you know, all, restaurant owners. People will always eat. My business is safe. Not so much. <laughs> so definitely, exactly. you want to diversify your risk. You know? And and then the last thing, which I, is my observation, is that this is the crisis that was really created by everyone agreeing we will stop working at once. <laughs> you you know, used to have crisis with some, mm, mm, like I don't know, there was a war and it was totally destroyed. And the crisis was really uh, damaged our economically, physically, and we just now all collectively stopped working, stopped creating, uh, creating wealth. So it's it's all in our psych- psychology, really, right? Because uh, we are staying at home. We're not spending as much money as we used to. Uh, obviously, we still have to pay our rent, etc. And to really take care about start pushing the positive message into the into the markets. Hey guys, we're done. Now it's time to get back to work. Then we, we have a chance to really recover. Um I'm gonna use an example of the Marshall Plan after Second World War in, yep. in Europe, where we were Europe was totally destroyed. Like <laughs> nothing was there. And and then you know, the United States have been pushing billions of dollars. I think it was still one of the biggest stimulus plan ever into Europe. And everyone in Europe really wanted to forget about this horror of Second World War. And the money was really spent efficiently. Europe rebuilt itself, Western Europe especially, not this post-Soviet bloc, uh, the communist bloc. And Europe has become stronger than ever, at least for many years. Now, European Union has crisis. But we had a great you know, five decades of, of growth that was really accelerated by the r- rebuild phase. Um, and as long as we have the right mindset, I'm not talking about mindset of one entrepreneur, but, you know, you have to push that mindset down into your team and then into the market and everyone around that, guys, this is a new reality. The worst part is over. Now we're going back to work. This can be contagious as well, <laughs> just like the virus. And it should be easier to rebuild than anything else because no real physical damage is harmed. besides obviously, you know, lost a lot of potential value, et cetera, right. et cetera that's
1: how I see it. Right. I I mean, I love the, the analogy of the Marshall plan, you know, this, I mean, as you were saying that I was thinking, okay, so what is the, what is the modern day equivalent to the Marshall plan? You know, that, that is going to come out of this on the backside, but it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be, we're we're going to be different forever. I mean, that's this, we will never go back to the way it was, you know, at the beginning of this year and uh, or at the end of 2019, but you're right. I think there there will be improvements that will happen. There will be efficiencies that will be created out of this, you know, by necessity. And uh, it'll just be an interesting time to see, see moving forward. But, um, I encourage our listeners to to get his book. It's called Chasing Black Unicorns. Yeah. Um, it's,
0: if you don't mind, I'll show it. Absolutely.
1: There, there we go. It uh, kind of has like uh, maybe Mark Wahlberg on the front there a little bit. <laughs>
0: My graphic designer did a lot of job. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's uh, available on hard. Amazon and other marketplaces. Um, I encourage you to get the right. book and, and read that. Yeah. But, close this out adding, today uh, merrick with, whole, with words of wisdom
0: yeah so if, if you remind me adding uh, the whole revenue from this book and also any speaking engagements i have thanks to this book i'm actually being uh, uh, transferred into a charity uh, that everything is actually described on the website chasingblackunicorns.com you can you can you know reach out to me there read more about the book my story and and also the uh, uh, charity uh, and you said that I should close with some kind of a wisdom,
1: huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, close with wisdom, <laughs> and tell people where to find you online. Yeah.
0: So yeah, so uh, like I said, my Macunicars, all my social media handles are there because otherwise you don't want to pronounce my last name; it's too hard <laughs> to say to write it down. For my my name. Um, I, I remember you asked me in this in this note before the uh, before the call, like what. Well, w- wisdom for people that are doing thinking about going into business i always say don't go into business too fast if you think you have what it takes in order to be a successful entrepreneur you really shouldn't hurry because you're always going to see opportunities people don't see doesn't matter how how quickly you're going to enter and your probability of success increases dramatically with age you know guys like mark zuckerberg or jack dorsey are outliers they are not uh, they're not representing their role And it's much better to make mistakes when someone else pays for them, uh, when it works for someone. Uh, Because the problem with entrepreneurship is sometimes you're young, you enter the business too young, you make a mistake, you get yourself bankrupt, and you will be paying mistakes for that um, forever. That happened to me. I went from plus million to minus one million. And then I had to have three jobs. I was a bartender in two nightclubs uh, during the evenings and, and weekends. And then uh, trying to do a startup during the day. And I was extremely lucky that I was able to sell start the startup and pay my debts. But in most cases, it doesn't happen. And if I can change anything in my life, most of the things I wouldn't change because they made who I am. But I know that I went into business too fast. Uh, if I worked for two or three years more for someone, I would not make the 80% of the mistakes that I've made uh, made uh, later because I just didn't have that experience.
1: Well, what a what a great way to wrap this up because I mean, obviously, you you are very much an entrepreneur. I mean, that's just that's just who you are in your DNA. You know that. Yeah. I can I can see that, but it I really appreciate the way that you kind of wrap this up and said, okay, but yeah, but what, it needs to be done with wisdom. It needs to be done yeah. with a with a plan, with good strategy, and and with good support around you, and all the things that that are, you know will help you make you know be successful. But Merrick, thanks again for just taking the time to chat today. And, and I mean, your story could go on and on. I could continue to ask you <laughs> questions on and on and on because there's yeah, so, many, so many things we could chase. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, I want you to yeah, encourage people to, to get the book and, and read it and, and kind of have more depth in the story. But just thank you for taking time today and just sharing with our audience and just really help doing your part to help all boats rise in a rising tide. And Merrick, thanks, thanks again. Thanks
0: so much Thanks again for allowing me to share my story. I just I wanted to send you my book, and I was like, maybe he will also invite me. But I, I like you know the, the whole concept of you know educating about startups, and then you reach out to me. Come on on the show. And I was like, like, wow, okay, let's do this. So thanks again. Have a great uh, rest of your day. Stay safe. Don't get Corona get you.
1: There you go. Hey, it's anyway. our pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks again, Mary. Yeah.